Welcome to Choir Talks. My name is Greg O'Neill. I'm the worship pastor at Ridgecrest Baptist Church, and Choir Talks is my weekly podcast. What does maturity look like is the question today. If you're watching this on video rather than just listening to it as a podcast, you're probably pointing at the screen right now and pointing at my gray hair, but hey, that's not really what I mean in this case. In spite of age, some people are mature and some people are not. So what is maturity? What's it look like? For you, it might be one of those, I can't define it, but I know when I see it things. But in the Bible, for Peter, the apostle in particular, he lays out a picture of what spiritual maturity looks like. He draws, if you will, an anatomy of a mature Jesus follower in 2 Peter chapter 1. Late in his life, he's a respected leader and pastor. And so Peter writes to Jesus' followers, and he wants them to take hold of all that they have in Christ, to press on, to be mature. False teachers in the church are his concern. Uh, False teachers are on the rise in the late first century, and the early church was in need of mature believers who could pass on their faith to a new generation. So looking at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us. Everything we need for a godly life, he says, God has, has given us. Um, so I, I would say that all of us who follow Jesus already have everything we need. But if that's true, then why aren't we all mature? What does a godly life look like, and how do we get there? Uh, Moving down to uh, verse 5, he begins uh, listing out uh, characteristics that, that paint a picture of what a godly life looks like. Here's what that sounds like. He says, Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to your goodness knowledge, and to your knowledge self control, and to your self control perseverance and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. By the way, don't you love reading lists? I'm sure I probably lost you reading that list a little bit there. But you could probably see that uh, he's, he's not just listing off things. He is, he is showing a, a foundation and then layers that are built on top of that foundation to create this picture of what a mature believer is. Uh, He finishes that list off with this phrase. He says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective or unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a promise. He says, If these things are increasing, then here's the promise. You're going to be effective and productive in your walk with the Lord. You're going to be that person that he created you to be, that he called you to be, you will grow to maturity and it'll make a difference in the kingdom and in uh, the the lives of the people around you. So how do we do that? Here's going back to the beginning of verse 5. He says, make every effort. Uh, That three-word phrase is a little daunting. So uh, does this mean that all of this stuff depends on my effort and my ability? Well, reading it in context, I'm going to move back again to verse 3, and here's how that starts. He says, His divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life. That word given is is key here. It's, It's a gift. My effort is 
not trying to become something that that I'm not, but rather it's uncovering something that I've already been given. Philippians chapter 2 says something similar. Paul's writing to uh, the, the church at Philippi, and he says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That sounds like effort, right? It sounds like uh, my salvation depends on my effort, in fact. But he goes on to say, for it is God who works in you. So work out, but God is at work. It's This is a, a partnership. And I think we see the same thing here in Second Peter. God has gifted us already, but we need to pursue uncovering that gift. In 1 Peter chapter 1, he says he likens our faith to gold. In fact, he says it's more valuable than gold. Uh, and so, if you will, this maturity process is sort of like being a gold miner. Already you have been given these, these um, gifts and all that you need. You just need to uncover it. You need to dig it out. So let's look back again at, at verse 5. Here's the roadmap going through that list of things. First of all, it starts with faith. It's faith that put us in a relationship with Jesus in the first place. Faith is the foundation, but it's the first step. It's not the final one on our journey. So he says, add to your faith goodness. All right, so what is goodness talking about here? Going back again to verse 3, he says that he has uh, called us by his own glory and goodness. He has given us all these things through Jesus according to his own glory and goodness. So God is the one who is the, um, the fountain of goodness. He's the beginning of that. So he's given us also goodness. Uh, but that goodness is generated from, from him through, through, through the Holy Spirit. Uh, and uh, it is it becomes who who we are when we get closer to Him. We need to reflect the nature of the One that we're following, so we share in His goodness, and we um, make it visible to the world. So He says, "Add to your goodness knowledge." Knowledge. So, what are we talking about here? Is that uh, is that? Do I need to know a bunch of facts about the Bible? Do I need to be able to win a Bible trivia game? Uh, well, let's go back to verse 3. He says he has given us everything that we need, and then it says, through our knowledge of him. So here's what this knowledge is. It's not a knowledge of facts. It's a relational knowledge. It's knowing a person. It's growing in a relationship uh, with, and an understanding of who Jesus is. And so, yes, that does mean getting into the Bible, um, but not reading the Bible to understand facts and be able to spout facts or details, but it's reading the Bible to know a person, to understand who Jesus is, who the Father is. It's also spending time in, in prayer. We gain knowledge of a person by spending time with him, and so that's what we need to do with Jesus. Add to your knowledge self-control, he says. This term is referring to uh, staying within the limits of God's law. It is overcoming through the Spirit's power our natural inclination for sin. This is a part of the life of every believer. Uh, even the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, uh, says that, that he is in this, this struggle and this fight. And in Romans chapter 7, he says, Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I also see another law at work waging, in me, waging war. 
Um, so all of us have this struggle, that old fleshly nature um, that, that comes bef- from us from before we knew Christ and then the new nature we have. And so self-control is letting the new nature uh, be the nature that we follow, letting it overcome the old nature. And if we uh, continue in sin, we're going to sh- uh, stunt our relationship with Jesus. But as we turn our lives over to the Holy Spirit, we'll have self-control. And then he says, uh, perseverance. To your self-control, add perseverance. Uh, so what is he talking about here? Uh, well, life is difficult uh, even for believers. The difference with a believer, though, is that uh, a mature believer doesn't give up when life is difficult. In fact, it's during those difficult times when the mature believer blossoms and grows. James says it this way in James chapter 1. He says, the testing of your faith produces endurance or perseverance. To perseverance, he says, add godliness. The word godliness uh, here just means to be like God. So as we grow closer to him, we are going to love like he loves. We're going to value the things that he values, and we're going to pursue the things that he pursues. And then he says to godliness, add mutual affection. All right, all of those first characteristics have been about us and who we are on the inside, but that's never a complete picture when it talk when, when we talk about becoming a mature believer because um, the value of our maturity isn't just for our sake. It is it is to be uh, to have an effect on the world. So mutual affection here uh, is reaching outside of ourselves and letting um, this God life that we're growing into have an effect on others. Mutual affection is specifically talking about our relationship with the brothers and sisters who are in Christ. There is a, a supernatural love that already exists between us and brothers and sisters. When we come into, uh, when we come to know the Father, we become brothers and sisters. Uh, and yet, even though that is there, we have to pursue this love. Um, we have to make effort to make sure that we have unity and that, uh, that we are, are ready to love sacrificially with those that we are in this relationship with because our enemy is determined to undermine it. And then lastly, he mentions love. And that made me think about 1 Corinthians 13, the one that we always call the love chapter. In that chapter, uh, Paul says that the greatest of these things is love. And in the chapter, he says, without love, all the, these qualities and things that we might do the, for the Father have no real meaning and no real impact unless there is love, unless they're done out of love. So that's the list. That's the anatomy of a mature believer. And then just to remind you of the promise, he says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, increasing measure to me, that that speaks of a a growing all the time. Um, That's why being uh, older in age or having lived a long time with the Father as a Christian um, doesn't necessarily mean that you're mature because if anywhere along the way, you stop growing in him and these qualities are no longer increasing, you're no longer growing in maturity. So uh, the promise is if you possess these qualities and they're increasing, then they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Unproductive. Uh, in other words, your life's going to make a difference. God is going to use you to further his kingdom and to change lives. I pray that'll be true of you. Have a great day.